Chapter twenty seven of the King of Elfland's Daughter by Lord Dunsany. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty seven The Return of Luralu. Over hamlet and castle of Earl, and through every nook and crevice of it, spring passed. A mild benediction that blessed the very air and sought out all living things not missing even the tiny plants that had their dwelling in most secluded places under eaves in the cracks of old barrels or along the lines of mortar that held ancient rows of stones and in this season orion hunted no unicorns not that he knew in what season the unicorns bred in elfland where time is not as here but because of a feeling he had from all his earthly forefathers against hunting any creature in this season of song and flowers so he tended his hounds and often watched the hills expecting on any day the return of luralu and spring passed by and the summer flowers grew and still there was no sign of the troll returning for time moves through the dells of elfland as over no field of man and long orion watched through fading evenings till the line of the hills was black yet never saw the small round heads of trolls bobbing across the downs and the long autumnal winds came sighing out of cold lands and found orion still watching for luralu and the mist and the turning leaves spoke to his heart of hunting and the hounds were whining for the open spaces and the line of scent like a mysterious path crossing the wide world but orion would hunt nothing less than unicorns and waited for his trolls and one of these earthly days with a menace of frost in the air and a scarlet sunset luralu's talk to the trolls in the wood being finished and their scamper swifter than hares having brought them soon to the frontier those in our fields who looked as they seldom did towards that mysterious border where earth ended might have seen the unwanted shapes of the nimble trolls coming all grey through the evening they came dropping troll after troll from the soaring leaps they took high through the boundary of twilight and landing thus unceremoniously in our fields came capering somersaulting and running with gusts of impudent laughter as though this were a proper manner in which to approach by no means the least of the planets they rustled by the small houses like the wind passing through straw and none that heard the light rushing sound of their passing knew how outlandish they were except the dogs whose work it is to watch and who know of all things that pass their degree of remoteness to man at gypsies tramps and all that go without houses dogs bark whenever they pass at the wild things of the woods they bark with greater abhorrence knowing well the rebellious contempt in which they hold man at the fox for his touch of mystery and his far wanderings they bark more furiously but to-night the barking of the dogs was beyond all abhorrence and fury many a farmer this night believed that his dog was choking and passing over these fields staying not to laugh at the clumsy scared running of sheep for they kept their laughter for man they came soon to the downs above earl and there below them was night and the smoke of men all grey together 
and not knowing from what slight causes the smoke arose here from a woman boiling a kettle of water or there because one dried the frock of a child or that a few old men might warm their hands in the evening the trolls forbore to laugh as they had planned to do as soon as they should meet with the things of man perhaps even they whose gravest thoughts were just under the surface of laughter even they were a little awed by the strangeness and nearness of man sleeping there in his hamlet with all his smoke about him though awe in these light minds rested no longer than does the squirrel on the thin extremest twigs in a while they lifted their eyes up from the valley and there was the western sky still shining above the last of the gloaming a little strip of colour and dying light so lovely that they believed that another elfland lay on the other side of the valley two dim diaphanous magical elfin lands hemming in this valley and few fields of men close upon either side and sitting there on the hillside peering westward the next thing they saw was a star it was venus low in the west brimming with blueness and they all bowed their heads many times to this pale blue beautiful stranger for though politeness was rare with them they saw that the evening star was nothing of earth and no affair of man's and believed it came out of that elfland they did not know on the western side of the world and more and more stars appeared till the trolls were frightened for they knew nothing of these glittering wanderers that could steal out of the darkness and shine at first they said there are more trolls than stars and were comforted for they trusted greatly in numbers then there were soon more stars than trolls and the trolls were ill at ease as they sat in the dark underneath all that multitude but presently they forgot the fancy that troubled them for no thought remained with them long they turned their light attention instead to the yellow lights that glowed here and there on the hither side of the greyness where a few of the houses of men stood warm and snug near the trolls a beetle went by and they hushed their chatter to hear what he would say but he droned by going home and they did not know his language a dog far off was ceaselessly crying out and filling all the still night with a note of warning and the trolls were angry at the sound of his voice for they felt that he interfered between them and man then the soft whiteness came out of the night and lit on the branch of a tree and bowed its head to the left and looked at the trolls and then bowed over to the right and looked at them again from there and then back it left again for it was not sure about them an owl said lorelou and many besides lorelou had seen his kind before for he flies much along the edge of elfland soon he was gone and they heard him hunting across the hills and the hollows and then no sound was left but the voices of men or the shrill shouts of children and the bay of the dog that warned men against the trolls a sensible fellow they said of the owl for they liked the sound of his voice but the voices of men and their dogs sounded confused and tiresome they saw sometimes the lights of late wayfarers crossing the downs towards earl or heard men that cheered themselves in the lonely night by singing instead of by lantern's light and all the while the evening star grew bigger and great trees grew blacker and blacker 
then from underneath the smoke and the mist of the stream there boomed all of a sudden the brazen bell of the friar out of deep night in the valley night and the slopes of earl and the dark downs echoed with it and the echoes rode up to the trolls and seemed to challenge them with all accursed things and wandering spirits and bodies unblessed by the friar and the solemn sound of those echoes going alone through the night from every heavy swing of the holy bell cheered that band of trolls among all the strangeness of earth for whatever is solemn always moves trolls to levity they turned merrier now and tittered among themselves and while they still watched all that host of stars wondering if they were friendly the sky grew steely blue and the eastern stars dwindled and the mist and the smoke of men turned white and a radiance touched the further edge of the valley and the moon came up over the downs behind the trolls then voices sang from the holy place of the friar chaunting moon matins which it was their wont to sing on nights of the full moon while the moon was yet low and this rite they named moon's morning the bell had ceased chance voices spoke no more they had hushed their dog in the valley and silenced his warning and lonely and grave and solemn that people's song floated up from before the candles in their small square sacred place built of grey stone by men that were dead for ages and ages all solemn the song welled up in the time of the moon's rising grave as the night mysterious as the full moon and fraught with a meaning that was far beyond the highest thoughts of the trolls then the trolls leaped up with one accord from the frosted grass of the downs and all poured down the valley to laugh at the ways of men to mock at their sacred things and to dare their singing with levity many a rabbit rose up and fled from their onrush the thrills of laughter arose from the trolls at their fear a meteor flashed westwards racing after the sun either as a portent to warn the hamlet of earl that folk from beyond earth's borders approached them now or else in fulfilment of some natural law to the trolls it seemed that one of the proud stars fell and they rejoiced with elvish levity thus they came giggling through the night and ran down the street of the village unseen as any wild creature that roams late through the darkness and lurilou led them to the pigeon loft and they all poured clamouring in some rumour arose in the village that a fox had jumped into the pigeon loft but it ceased almost as soon as the pigeons returned to their homes and the folk of earl had no more hint till the morning that something had entered their village from beyond the borders of earth in a brown mass thicker than young pigs are along the edge of a trough the trolls encumbered the floor of the pigeons home and time went over them as over all earthly things and well they knew though tiny was their intelligence that by crossing the border of twilight they incurred the wasting of time for nothing dwells by the brink of any danger and lives ignorant of its menace as conies in rocky altitudes know the peril of the sheer cliff so they that dwell near earth's border know well the danger of time and yet they came the wonder and lure of earth had been overstrong for them does not many a young man squander youth as they squandered immortality 
and Lurlou showed them how to hold off time for a while, which otherwise would make them older and older each moment, and whirl them on with earth's restlessness all night long. Then he curled up his knees and shut his eyes and lay still. This, he told them, was sleep, and cautioned them to continue to breathe, though being still in other respects. He then slept in earnest, and after some vain attempts the brown trolls did the same. When sunrise came, awakening all earthly things, long rays came through the thirty little windows and awoke both birds and trolls. And the mass of trolls went to the windows to look at earth, and the pigeons fluttered to rafters and jerked sidelong looks at the trolls, and there that heap of trolls would have stayed, crowded high on each other's shoulders, blocking the windows while they studied the variety and restlessness of earth finding them equal to the strangest fables that wayfarers had brought to them out of our fields, and though Luralu often reminded them, they had forgotten the haughty white unicorns that they were to hunt with the dogs. But Luralu, after a while, led them down from the loft and brought them to the kennels, and they climbed up the high palings and peered over the top at the hounds. When the hounds saw those strange heads peering over the palings, they made a great uproar, and presently folk came to see what troubled the hounds, and when they saw that mass of trolls all round the top of the palings, they said to each other, and so said all that heard of it, There is magic in Earl now. End of chapter 27 The Return of Luralu.